Good morning, friends. I'm excited to have Lindsay Sutherland in today's episode. She's a passive income and business coach. We have a candid conversation about motherhood, business, and the importance of tuning into your inner voice. Hope you enjoy it. Let's have a listen. Hi, friends. If you feel depleted and at times overwhelmed, searching for more, if you want to reclaim your voice, peace, and power, this show is for you. I'm Evelyn Glick. I love fashion, interior design, and spicy foods. I'm obsessed with personal development and human behavior. Here, I'll be discussing mindset, relationships, lifestyle, and so much more. I believe to live an empowered life, we must crush those limiting beliefs holding us back from stepping into our fabulousness because playing small doesn't serve anyone. I would like to welcome Lindsay Sutherland. She has four kids and she is from the podcast, My Dream Log Cabin, and she is a business coach. Anything else you like to start with the intro? Well, I actually am host of two podcasts, but my, my personal podcast is the Passive Income Examiner, um, which is how we connected. Then I also host the My Dream Log Cabin after facing my dream of the log cabin. Yes, yes. We're going to dive into the your business as helping women get out of the right rat race. So before we do that, I want to talk about relationships a little bit and motherhood yeah. and the challenges with all of that. In your career, what drove you to change and pivot your career move? How did motherhood change that for you? Yeah, so I had big dreams getting out of high school. I was wanting to grow into the automotive industry. I chose the automotive industry and I was making really good money. And I had big visions for being a general manager one day, working my way up through finance. And I was on that mission. I was getting to that point. Then motherhood came and it's amazing how it just, it just stops you in your tracks in a way, because all of a sudden, everything that seems so important suddenly is meaningless, right? Or just the meaning changes. It's not meaningless. Now it's about feeding my kids. It's not, it's not about just having ambition and achieving goals. Um, but in the car business, you know, that's one industry where they work you to the bone. And I was at the time that my third son was born, I was working in finance and I had four days off a month, oh, a month. Gosh, a yeah. month? And a month. And I would have days where I would be there till midnight. And then I would be there at 8am the next day. Um, the amount of hours I was working was insane. And one of my days off, I was sitting in my rocking chair at home and my kids looked like strangers. They didn't look like people I knew or kids that I knew. And it just hit me like almost like a Twilight Zone movie, you know, do, 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 not working for me. I just can't do this. This isn't my dream anymore. Isn't to, you know, I I'd already gotten to my, my dream and now I'm like, no, I don't want it. So once you're in that path of changing and pivoting and realizing you want it, a different kind of career. What made you go into your field, particularly, right? Because you could have taken anything else. So what, mm-hmm. what was the pull towards, you know, helping women in your situation? I guess we all go from where we are. Is that right? And, and for me, it was, it was more than even just a career change. I wanted a lifestyle change. I wanted, I didn't want a career anymore. I wanted to have a slower paced life. I wanted to live around nature. We were living in Arizona and it's just brown. I was born and raised there. Everything's brown. And 
there's no seasons. And, you know, it's just, it was just very the same. I wanted to be around trees and mountains. We used to go camping a lot up by the Grand Canyon. And every time my husband and I would just be like, we need to move to somewhere like this. You know, it was just something about the mountains just calling us, you know, and he came up with this idea of living in a log cabin, or actually his idea was to build a log cabin. (laughs) And I don't know, like at that time we had, by the time we finally were getting to that point, we had four kids and I was like, there is no way on God's green earth. I'm building a house by hand with four kids. No way. So I kind of, that's where I tell my journey is on the, my dream log cabin. The first, first episode is my story and how we actually, we, we made that transition. I quit my corporate job. Um, I left Arizona. I left all our friends and family. We packed up and we moved to North Idaho. It, it, like I said, it wasn't about so much the career change as it was a lifestyle change. We live on five acres. My kids can play outside. I don't worry about strangers coming to take them away. Um, you know, everything's close because it's a small town. It's like two minutes here and two minutes there. As far as money goes, the money was one of those things that was difficult because I was the primary breadwinner in our family all those years uh, that yes. we had been raising the kids. And I bet there's, I think there's a trend even nowadays. I don't know, Evelyn, if you think this too, but um, it seems like there's so much more pressure on women to be the career mom and the mom you know, obviously we're always moms, but to do, to be the perfect mom, you know, the cupcake baking, you know, cutesy mom. <laughs> totally. Oh my <laughs> totally. Yes. Pressure that we have as moms, it's compounded by the career, right. Mm-hmm. And all the other hats that we have to play. I mean, that's what I coach on. I coach on women that are over overwhelmed and depleted, lost their, their selves in all the hats they play. And so because you made a, cha- a drastic lifestyle change, was there a period at the beginning when you made the move where you were like, mm, or did it feel home immediately? Was it like, ah, I'm home? Or there was a transition period in the middle there at the beginning where you're finally there and you look around and you're like, whoa, this is so different. Can I adapt my family to this and myself? How did that go for you at the beginning? No, there was no uh, hesitation. By the time we moved, I was so done with everything. (laughs) I think God has a way of I equated my move to birthing another child because it's, it, it was a lot like birth. You know, you, you have first you're excited, right? You've got this new dream. I had this excitement and then there were, there were pains as we went along. There were definitely contractions uh, throughout that process. And then once it's like that, the, the last pain was the move, right? That was, but once I got there, it was almost just like all the endorphins, you know, just like with motherhood, once the baby comes out, you're just like, oh, and everything's wonderful again. And, you know, it was very much like that for me. And I feel like, yeah, I could share that with women that understand <laughs> concept, but that's what it was like. And we get into that cabin and we moved a week before Christmas. And one of the first things I did was unpack the Christmas tree. And my husband and I were sitting in front of the log stove with the lights of the tree. And it was just like, man, yes, we finally made it. We're here. This we're, we love it here. This place is gorgeous. It's like driving through a, a calendar every day. You know, it's wow, stunning. I'm, I'm so glad we moved. I'm, I don't regret it at all. The only thing I wish I could change, if I could change anything, what I would have done like my passive income examiner podcast and started my business sooner so that I had a more steady stream of passive income coming in before we moved. Now we did a lot of financial things that were really smart 
that played into it in the end. Like we had paid off all our debt except for the car, uh, except for the mortgage. We had a savings. We had a really good amount of savings. And we did have some investments that were paying us monthly. It wasn't enough to carry us on a monthly basis, but it was enough to give us that leg up to get us where we are. Um, And then obviously my credit was good enough to be able to buy this house. Like those four things really made it possible to have this lifestyle change. Then I ended up getting a job at the, at the log cabin place that I work at. And then in the meantime, because it's a slower paced life and I'm not working the crazy hours I was working in the car business, I'm able to build up this side business with passive income strategies. And so that's essentially where we're at now. Oh, that's great. That sounds like it was something that was meant to be. Everything sort of fell in its place. You obviously prepared for it. So, you know, thinking about relationships and how the changes in the pressures that we deal with as moms and wives. And you mentioned a little bit about that financial load that we also have to carry because we have to be the perfect mom and we have to bake and cook and, and, and be there and also, you know, be a career person. Did you find that it impacted your marriage in any way? your relationship with your husband, those struggles or difficulties? Yeah, definitely. I don't want to dive into his personal issues, but he had some personal setbacks that were mentally in his way. And I was respectful. And as his wife, I stood by him and I tried to give him that space to move through there. But I was just getting to this point where I couldn't do it anymore. Like it was still, it was still silently killing me. My body hadn't really taken a toll, but I could feel little things. And I told him, I said, if I keep going like this, I'm going to die. Like, I know it's going to (laughs) happen. So we got to, we got to make some changes. And that really threw some chinks in the chain, so to speak. You know, it started really pushing him to, he's like, well, then you don't love me. I'm like, well, it's got nothing to do with that. I absolutely love you. I just need more from you. I want to do this together. And he didn't understand that. And I think my um, resistance, if you say, if that's the right word, all of my resistance to him initially got interpreted as Lindsay wants a divorce. And I wasn't even saying that. I wasn't even saying that. that I was saying the complete opposite. I was saying, I want to do this together. I want to grow together. I want to be together. I want to do all this together. But he couldn't hear that. And it was very scary. It was very, there was, there was a huge moment where I knew that if I kept pushing this envelope, there was a good possibility that we would split. I had to, I knew that I had to, because it was either live in misery and live out my days or like, I I knew I was making a choice, either I'm sucking it up or I'm making a change and either he's going to meet me and come with me or he's going to leave and I can't control him. And I, and I saw it clearly that it wasn't up to me to change him. It was up to me to change me. I had to stick to my guns. Basically I had to be confirm and communicate clearly the expectations and what I needed from him. It was no longer like you need to get a job and you need to do this. It was like, look, here's where I'm at. I may as well do this alone. If it's all going to be on my plate, I don't want to do it alone. I want to do it with you. So let's do it together. But that togetherness looks like this to me. And I explained, you know, I need, I need a partner. I need a financial help. I need this, that, and the other. I need 
you to take on because I was doing everything like paying the bills. I was anytime there was a problem at the bank, I called anytime there was a problem with the phone company, I called, you know, I was doing it all. And I'm like, I, I can't be the one to do it all all the time. Like we need to, you got to take some and I got to take some you can't just deal with the kids. I also want to deal with the kids like that's part of why I'll be I'm a mom. <laughs> I want to do that. So there was this partnership that we had to come to these terms and working out those lines definitely rocked our marriage. And I think for the better. Because um, looking back from where I'm at now, if we hadn't walked that path and we still moved, I don't think we would stay together. I think it would have just blown up. Everything would have just blown up and I would have been stuck in a state where now I'm being a single mom in a place I don't have any help. And then I think it was God's way of saying, you know, here, you got to you got to walk this path. It's going to be rough, but it's going to be better in the end. And it, and it has been. Bravo for you for stepping into your voice and really asking for what you needed. So many women in relationships find they just resent and they hold on to the negative feelings or they they think it'll pass and they'll figure it out and the partner will eventually move forward and give them what they want. So it's really having that power to, to say, this is what I want, stepping into the things that you need, because had you not done that, you would have given one, number one, giving up your power, had a life that was unfulfilling. Like, am I wrong to say that? Nope. It's very true. It's hard. Sometimes we go through these challenges where it's like, oh my God, I don't know if we're going to really get past this. But if you have that communication and stick to your guns and really know you're coming from a place of wanting to make the marriage and the, the family stronger, it can go either way, right? Your husband stepped up to the plate and finally realized, okay, I need to do more or whatever. I'm sure it was hard and it wasn't one, two, three, very simple. He went along with it. It was a partnership that actually came out of it. And as you stated, it became stronger at the end. It's really starting to recognize that holding on to it and saying it'll pass or avoiding the, the hard, difficult conversations doesn't help anyone. So that was really, thank you for sharing that. Now going back to a little bit of your business, what do you think as women is the financial struggle? Is it that we expect the husband to take care of it? Is it that it's so much on our plate? What do you think is the financial piece? I, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but I know what's true for me. And I don't know what it is about this week, but I've had a ton of introspection over the last decade of my life. One of my biggest takeaways, in fact, one of my only regrets in life was believing that I wasn't smart enough to know what to do financially. Now I know I'm smart. That's what's weird is it's like, if you would have asked me back then, why are you smart? Yeah. Am I, can I find, can I educate myself? Absolutely. I'm I learned everything on the fly. I'm very adaptable, but for some reason, what would happen? I think it's because in my mind, I put my husband on this pedestal. I, I, he had been a real estate investor. That's what he was doing. Um, he lost the crash was really awful for him. That was just one of those things. A lot of people experienced it, but I believed in him. And so what happened is I also I believed so strongly in him that I diminished belief in myself. And what ultimately came of that is anytime there was a discussion about how we should invest our money, if he had a suggestion, I just said, okay, well then we'll just go with your idea. Mm-hmm. And looking back, this was like a knife in my gut. And if anybody can learn from me, this is what I would love you to learn because I'm telling you this, I, I wish I could did this different, but looking back, I realized that I should have, I literally let him 
slow down my investment strategy process. If I would have listened to me, he was going through his own pain from what he just experienced. I let him and his pain affect my choices. And I believe if I would have pursued in listening to my instincts and listening to my intuition, he would have gotten out of his funk faster because I would have gotten back into it. He would have seen me making success and progress and he would have wanted to help me. But instead I lay back. I said, well, I need to give you space. You figure it out. I don't have time for it. I'm working, you know, we'll just let you handle this part of it. And when it didn't get handled, then I got disgruntled. See, I, I'm a firm believer that we are the, the creators of our, our experience. And so I don't blame my husband for anything that happened. I blame myself for not honoring my inner voice, for believing that he knew more than I did, for letting myself get so caught up in the rat race that I couldn't even see clearly. These were all things that were happening. But of course, thankfully, hindsight's 2020. Thankfully, I still have 20 good years of my life still to pull, you know, finish it out. But I mean, that's just truly something where um, I wish I would have done that a little bit differently. I think looking back at the last decade, I would be three times farther ahead than I am now with the same information. I have the same information now that I did then. And the only thing different between me now and then is I have the courage to put it to use. That's the only difference. Yes. And also listening to that inner voice, you know, when you're, when that intuition, when you're tuned into that and follow it, the outcome is always different than when you tune out from it. And also not letting even if it's your spouse, whoever's listening to this and can take some, even if it's your spouse, if it's, if you know, it's from, it's coming from a place of doubt and fear, shift it, you know, in order for, for the whole dynamic to shift, one of you has to come out of the self-doubt and move forward. And when it comes to information, let's say there's a couple out there where it's clearly the guy is the, the husband is the one or the one of the partners. I shouldn't say just husband. One of the partners is the one who's the more financially savvy knows the numbers is in my case, that's, that's how it is. My husband is in finance. That is his, his key. He's a numbers guy. So he takes care of the finances. Having said that, I sit down with him. I'm part of the conversation. I ask questions. I say, you know what? I feel more comfortable if I do this. And he'll explain to me why that's not the good choice. Or maybe, you know, we'll try it that way. So being part of the conversation and informing yourself, even if you, at the end of the day, decide, yes, you know what? I'll have you, you can, you can take over here. But not exclude yourself so that you go along for the ride, right? Being as equal as possible in a partnership, that's what really support is supporting each other through those bumpy rides. So finance is a big one, you know, when it comes mm -hmm. to relationships and and being in a place of of comfort and happiness so you don't feel like your voice doesn't matter. Tell me about what do you still struggle with? So I look at everything as a muscle, like uh, doing hard things. Standing up with my husband and having those conversations was hard. And the old me wouldn't have done it because I would have been afraid. But I've learned to do hard things. And I still sometimes find that when I'm faced with a challenge, I still have a lot of mental dialogue about overcoming that. Oh, but it's going to be hard. Just recently, I had a situation with a family with one of my rental properties that we were invested with in my family. Um, and he wants to make a change. And I wanted to negotiate with him, but it was my family. Had it been not my family, it would have been no big deal. But because it was family, I had all this mental 
mumbo jumbo about what are they going to think of me? And I don't want to be that person in the family and da, 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 you know, all the self-talk that is not always productive. And I finally said, Lindsay, just how would you deal with this? If this was anybody else, I'm like, well, I just ask either they say yes or no. Okay. So what's different here? (laughs) Okay. So I, then I shoot them off an email. It was plain Jane, like a one simple sentence question. It was no big deal. But that, that muscle of, I don't want to do hard things. I mean, we decide what we're labeling it hard in our mind. And so we have to remember that, okay, I'm making this hard. I'm choosing this to be hard. How, think about the end. Think about it from the end and work backwards. And then sometimes, but I do find that initial wall comes up and my mind just kind of runs away with me. Like even in my business, I don't know how to let go of certain things or what should I let go of or what's not, this is hard. And so sometimes I just want to bury my head in my work because that's my habit. I'll just do it myself, but I'm not really going to grow. If I do that, I know that I have to walk through this. I have to walk through, I call it, it's, you know, Evelyn, I didn't tell you this. I don't think, but both of my parents passed away um, when I was young, but my mom died when I was 12. My dad died later. And something I learned from that, of course, years later, after you look back and you look through your sadness is we have to walk through the hard times. We cannot skip them. I wish we could. I trust me. I wished I could many times just skip over to the part where I'm over it, but it doesn't work like that. And it never does. It doesn't go away. So I've just learned to do it faster and it still comes up where I don't want to do hard things. So if that's my biggest challenge, that's it. And that's how I work through it each, each time it comes up and I just talk myself through it. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that with us. It's, it's important to be vulnerable and understand that you know, pain is part of living, right? Some of us have more than others, but is it's what connects us all. And it's how do we use that pain to connect and grow together? It's growing, it's moving forward, the challenges are there. And then when you overcome those challenges, another one comes up because it's about growing, right? It's and learning and learning when we are in a painful place, finding tools that can shift that dark place, the time of the darkness is shortened. So it's how we handle it and how we do with what's in front of us at that time and how we can grow from it. Just a couple of more questions. So I'd like to finish with a couple of what is happiness to you? I just finished reading a book called um, Habits. Uh, let's see. It's called High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. And in the very last chapter, he talks about people who are perpetual workaholics who can't find happiness. And this belief that we shouldn't be happy in order to be productive. We should constantly be striving for more. And it was a very interesting chapter. It was definitely one where it was a slap in the face because it was by far parts of what I grew up to believe, you know, being raised with my dad, who was a businessman, uh, it was work hard and always work hard, you know, but I think that really life isn't meant to be this hard. And it, 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 we are meant to get to a place where we can just relax and, and be at peace and be present and joyful. And, and there was this one on, on this page, I circled, I circled this thing and it said the key to happiness. Now, obviously don't quote me because I don't have the book in front of me, but I remember this, this part. So the key to happiness is to feel joy in each moment. With yes. Each it's easy. And I'm a doer. I'm one of those people. I'm a busy body. Like I, it's hard for me to just sit and chill and do nothing. <laughs> You're pointing at yourself. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but I have been able to find happiness in the presence of 
the beingness of the moment. I could be folding clothes and be feeling joy. I could be with my daughter and we could just be giggling and laughing and I can feel this abundance of joy and happiness. And so I find that happiness comes in the moments, in the presence of being completely in the moment of whatever it is, even in sadness and even in anger, I can find humanness that turns into a space. Okay. You want to really go out on a limb? Recently, yes. I was, I have conversations with God. Now this is something I've never shared with anybody. About. I love it. Tell me okay. more. He said, I said to God, I got this epiphany one day and it says, everything is love. And I'm like, oh yeah. I like, to, I'm a little bit of a, of a, of, of a scrapper. I like to challenge it. I'm like, yeah, really? What's so what about hatred? What about anger? What about sadness? What about self-hatred, self-loathing? Anyway, so he starts giving me these visions. And uh, one of them was, you know, like anger in the in humans. So as we interact with people, you, you run across a grumpy person once in a while. Well, what is that? What that is, is the person is, is not feeling the love for whatever the case may be in that moment. They're striving for love. It's because they're striving for love that they're grumpy because they're not feeling it right in that moment. Calling to itself to be more within that person. And I was like, okay, fine. So what about, uh, you know, uh, I think I said uh, hatred or something like that. What about anger and and evilness? And it was the same thing. Every time I brought it up, he showed me a way in which it was really love calling forth itself through that person. Even a twisted psychopath is, is sometimes doing their crazy psychopath stuff because they're craving love, right? It's, it's all about love trying to find itself. And I said, well, what about self-hatred? And I've, I've been a definitely person where I could raise my hand and say, I have had moments where I've hated myself, my body, my, all these different things. I'm sure we all go through it. And he said, but Lindsay, it's because you loved yourself that you were so frustrated with the being that you were in that moment. It's because you knew you were better than extra, you know, 20 or 30 pounds you were carrying. It's, it's because you wanted the life of having that healthy lifestyle. It's because you wanted these things. It's because you loved yourself that you wanted it. That made you feel that it turn it around and turn it into hate. And I was like, Oh man, you're good. You know, <laughs> like, Yeah. Love is everywhere. Love is everywhere. And it's about everything. And it's the driving force behind anything. Right. If you put love behind that task, whatever it is you're doing, if love is present, you I'm sure you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle and he's totally about presence. And that that's what he means is if you put intention, you were saying before you could be doing anything at home. It doesn't have to be anything that someone would say it's a happy thing. But if you're present with it and you add love to it. That's a joyous moment right there. You're, yeah. This is a memory that's going to be translated to a happy feeling. That's good that you had that revelation. I've been spiritual for a long time. And through this pandemic, you either dive there or shift away from it. Like there's the people that are in fear and in angst and living in, in that dark place. I hope they tune into spiritual somehow. It's not being religious. You know, some people are very against God or whatever. But tuning into yourself, really, into the place mm-hmm. inside you that feels that feels that needs to connect to something other than yourself. Yeah. And no, I believe our intuition is our God voice. I mean, it is God talking to us. We just hear it in our own head as our own voice. But it's it's the nudges that we get. Because if you think about it, think about it like this. When has your intuition ever led you somewhere wrong? Right. 
that may not always be absolutely right about a situation, like, but it's never led you somewhere bad. It's, it's our God voice telling us which direction to take, you know, thank God we came here with an internal guidance system, right? An internal GPS of sorts that helps us get through these things. But if we don't, and there's the muscle again, listening to that voice is a muscle because it's so easy to override it. I overrode it when I listened to my husband instead of myself. And it's it's about practicing, honoring that voice. And I'm going to give everybody permission right now. If you're listening to this and you go out and you honor your inner voice, it's going to come out clunky. The first few times you might say things that you're thinking, why did I say that? Or it doesn't have the reaction you have mean for it. And that is okay. It's about using your inner voice and honoring it and then tapping into the love that's behind it and saying, okay, why am I, what is this about? Because there's always love with that voice. And when you speak from that space, miracles happen. I'm telling you, people shift things. Don't go, it just magical happen when you come from that space and you check that voice and then you speak from that place of love. It's just really, really powerful, but it does come out clunky at first. That's okay. Just keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. For the people that that are listening and feel that it needs to be immediate. Oh, what are you talking about? It's going to be magical. It's tuning in. It's just, you know, quiet your mind and tune into that feeling. If the feeling is soothing and not constricted, if it pulls you to a certain direction, follow that. It's it's aligning. It's aligning to what feels right as opposed to going against it. If you go against it, that's when the problems arise because it's like, oh man, something inside me said I should have gone this way instead. But you didn't do the doubts, the limiting beliefs, the judgment that some people might have might pivot you. So you're not listening and tuning in anymore. You're, you're looking at the external. So it's pretty profound. It's very complex, but, but I think that just tuning in, if we leave nothing else, tune into your voice, to what feels right and authentic and align with that. And you don't have to have all the answers right away. That's another thing. We need to have all the answers to all our problems immediately. You know, it, it doesn't come in a full circle immediately. It's little steps that guide you there. Little decisions, something that pulls you, that guides you, that makes you feel good. And if you have to pivot, then that's okay too. You know, we're very hard on ourselves. And I think as women, as women, oh man, it's really, it can be, it can get very heavy. All the expectations. I'll give you an example of a miracle that happened because I honored myself. So it'll be short. We were in the process of moving and um, we were selling our house in Arizona. We had already moved to Idaho. So we had two mortgages and it was really a struggle. And we had a buyer on the hook, but they were kind of playing games because they were, I don't know, it was a long story, but basically the realtor was going back and forth with all this drama. And I was, my husband and I, we were trying to figure out what are they thinking? Well, if we do this, if we do, then they're going to do that. And you know, all those games that you start to play when you're trying to negotiate real estate and worrying that every choice you make is going to have a bad reaction or what. And I finally said, okay, I'm not listening to what they're going to think or do. I'm going to see what is true for me. And I listened to my inner voice. I got very clear on very specific things. This is what I want. I want it like this. I will accept this, this, and this. And I even said to myself, and I'm willing to lose the deal if it's not this way. That is how committed I was to that choice. And this is the crazy miracle that happened. I was in the shower when that was, I was in the shower when I got all that clarity. And then I came out and I opened my email and there was an email from the realtor. She said, Hey, listen, um, everything, uh, never mind all the other stuff. They just called me and this is what we're going to do. Blah, blah, blah. Everything I just said, no joke, everything down to the letter. Whoa, that's awesome. 
it was a trip. I literally had chills. I was like, are you kidding me? This is, this is magic. That's the magic I'm telling you when you make your decision and you act on it. I'm just, it happens. It works. It's crazy. Well, you know, it's, it's, if it's planted in your head, it's already, the energy is already working, right? Because you were in the shower. You didn't even have to act on it. You sort of gave it a, a power before even acting on it. And it, it was sort of manifesting. Wonderful. Good for you. This was great. Lindsay, thank you for your time. Tell us a little bit about where the audience can follow you and a little bit more about your business. And then we can wrap it up. Okay. Well, I'm on the Passive Income Examiner. I have a podcast and uh, my Instagram, same thing, Passive Income Examiner. Basically, I help moms that learn passive income strategies so that they can build up financial assets and offset their, their debts and get out of the rat race so they can live a life of freedom and by choice. So that's essentially what I do. Um, some people have called me a passive income coach, I guess. Maybe that's what I am. Um, but I, I more or less teach strategy. Thank you. Thank you so much for this and for your time and for opening up with all the stories. I enjoyed it tremendously. We'll be in touch, Lindsay. If you feel you've lost yourself, your voice, your power, I'm Evelyn Glick. My mission, my passion is to guide you and support you into stepping into your light, healing and growing into the fullest expression of who you are, managing the most important relationship of all, the relationship you have with yourself, and then expanding that knowledge and strengthening the relationships around you. Let's change that story. You do not have to play small. Let's crush those limiting beliefs and finally step into your greatness. You do not have to do this alone. If this resonates with you, please reach out. It's your life. It's time.